We're going to go to Luke chapter 16 this morning in your Bible, please. The Gospel of Luke and chapter number 16. Luke chapter number 16. And as is our custom, we'll stand for the reading of the Word of God, unless you're not well able to stand, and then God knows all about that. But for us that are able, we stand in honor of reading the Word of God. Look down, if you would, with me, please, to verse number 19. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, and verse number 19. This is Jesus speaking here, of course, and he says this. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I titled the message this morning, Alive in Hell. Let's pray and we'll try to get started. Father, we come to you one last time before we get into this message and ask for the help that we so desperately need. Lord, to preach this message the way that you would have it done. Father, we just ask for your guidance and power. Lord, the boldness to say what needs to be said. The wisdom to not say anything that doesn't need to be said. And then we pray for the ears of the listeners. We pray for those that are in this sanctuary and also those that are watching by live stream. Father, that you would uh, open up our hearts. If there is someone here 
or watching by live stream that's never truly trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray that this message would hit the mark. I pray, Father, that uh, you would speak to them. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, convince them that their greatest need is a relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need your help here, Lord, please, this morning uh, to just preach this the way that you'd have it done, that your perfect will might be done in each life. And we'll thank you and praise you for, you for what you accomplished, for we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please do be seated. The non-Bible-believing theologians tell us that this passage is a parable and that it's not an actual Bible, uh, biblical happening. But several reasons tell us that this is not just a parable. Nowhere in Scripture does a parable identify any of the people. There's no names given when Jesus is telling parables. Um, Here, people are called by name. Also, what what is the purpose of a parable? Well, it's to teach a Bible truth or to explain the teaching for better understanding or for emphasis. And either way, this passage in Luke 16 is telling us about a place, a real place called hell. A very real place. And the only place we can learn about hell is from the Bible. It's the only place we can learn. Science knows nothing about hell and the life beyond death for the unsaved. Human experience does not reach beyond the grave. All, all that is known about the, the beyond, uh, the afterlife, comes, from, uh, comes to us from God and His book. And let me go ahead and say this. The doctrine of hell, the truth of hell, is a very gloomy subject. Few people want to hear it preached. And truly, it's a difficult message to preach for any preacher. And most of the time, I feel like I don't preach about it as often as I should. If we keep this thought before the members of Riverside Baptist Church, the truth that the unsaved will end up in hell, maybe it calls us to have a greater burden and a greater compassion for those that are lost. Maybe it'd give us a different vision of those people that we pass by every day. We know this rich man was a Jew. We know he was a Jew because he called Abraham Father Abraham. So in his religiosity, being a Jew, he thought that that would get him to heaven. But there's more to religion. No, no, I mean, there's more to it. Religion won't do it. And we know this, a child of God will be escorted into heaven by angels. Luke 16, 22, where we read there, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So the fact that one of these men was poor and the other was rich that didn't determine whether either one of them went to heaven personal success has no merit in going to heaven you can't buy your way into heaven you can't give yourself into heaven but very apparently a child of hell will just open his eyes in hell he closes his eyes he or her closes their eyes in death and then opens them in hell. Verse number 23 says, in, And in hell he lift up his eyes. And we know that the rich man was alive in hell because he had all of his physical senses. They were all there. Think for a moment about being alive in hell. 
alive and, and no hope or possibility of ever getting out. And you have understanding, I, I mean realizing things yet helpless to change. In verse, number, in verse number 23, it tells us that he could see, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, uh, Lazarus in his bosom. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean he could see his surroundings because there's darkness in hell, but rather he saw into heaven at that time. He saw Abraham. He saw Lazarus. And the rich man knew Lazarus was in heaven at that time. In verse 24, he sees Lazarus and he pleads for him to come and to cool his burning tongue. He knew that Lazarus was not suffering in pain. He was suffering, but he knew Lazarus was not. And so seemingly people in hell will know what's happening in heaven at times, I guess. I mean, according to this, and, and that's going to add to the misery and that's going to add to the torture many, many times again. On earth, Lazarus was the beggar. In hell, the rich man becomes the beggar. The one who was being begged from is now begging. Verse number 23 says, in hell. The word translated hell there, Hades, means literally a dark, obscure place. The place where departed spirits go, but especially the place where where wicked spirits go. Because see, every demon is going to end up in hell. It was created for the devil and his angels, if you will. So who in the right mind would want to spend eternity with demons? Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. We have to understand that Satan is not the king of hell. Satan has no authority in hell whatsoever. He will not be the master of hell. He will not be in charge at that time. He will be just another resident that will be in suffering and torment like everyone else that is there. And it says, and seeth Abraham. So you have to imagine this. This is an aggravation in his misery. He's already miserable. One of the first things that occurred in hell was to look up and see the poor man that lay at his gate completely happy. I mean, what a contrast here. Before this, this rich man, he was rolling in wealth and the poor man was at his gate. This rich man had no expectations, no no expectations of the sufferings now that have come upon him. And Lazarus, he's happy and he's forever fixed in the paradise of God. These circumstances mean that there will be a separation and that the wicked in hell will be conscious of the righteous to some extent. Though on earth they were poor or despised, those people that know Christ will be in heaven. And we know this, heaven and hell are far from each other and it'd be no small part of the misery of the one that is far and forever removed from the other. But he seeth Abraham, not God, to whom therefore he cannot cry. He seeth Abraham and Lazarus sitting there and it's a proof of recognition beyond the grave. But he could not, not only could he see, but he could feel. Verse number 24 says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, why would he be crying for mercy and the coolness of water if he could not feel the pain and torment? But he can. No, I didn't say he could. I said he can. Because he's still there today. Being in torments. His wealth had failed him. 
the good things that he had have departed. So being in hell does not deaden or remove the pain that's going to be experienced by everyone that goes there. Hell is a place of great pain. The, the rich man uses this phrase, I am tormented in this flame. And so we could see he could, he could speak being there. And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He spoke to Abraham. He could hear. He carried on a conversation with Abraham. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. So he could hear Abraham speak. And he could also taste. He wanted a cooling taste of water on his tongue. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in his flame. So he had, I want you to understand this. He has emotional capability. Come on, it's not like he goes down there and just one of these days finally just dissipates into nothing and it's no more. Oh, no, no, no. For eternity. For eternity is in this awful place. He had a memory. He says, son, remember thy good things. But his, his good things did him no good in death. Because good things don't last. Good things are going to burn up with the rest of this world one of these days. He also had compassion at this point because verse number 28 says, he, he's talking about his five brethren and says, lest they come into this place of torment. So he had compassion now. And he had a desire. He wanted to see his brothers escape the place that he was now in for eternity. I really do believe this. I believe that if we that are saved could just view hell for five minutes, we would spend the rest of our lives fervently trying to get people to Jesus. However, just because we can't see it does not make make the fact of it any less real. It's a very real place. People who do not know Christ as their Savior will end up in that horrible place. They are going to be there. When this life ends, we will be in one of two places. We will either be in heaven or we will be in hell. The following circumstances are related of hell in this passage. Number one, it's far off from the abodes of the righteous. Lazarus was seen afar off. There's not going to be any passing. There's not going to be any exchanging places. The only connection to righteousness in hell will be the memory of the messages on God's righteousness. Man seems to want to remove himself from the activity of God's holiness and righteousness. And all those that are in hell will be removed from it forever. People don't want anything to do with God's holiness. They don't want anything to do with God's righteousness. And if they continue to think like that, they're going to get their wish. It's going to happen. The infidels, the atheists that want to squelch all public mention of God and public mention of the Bible will have accomplished that feat when they wake up in hell. They'll not have to hear about it anymore. There'll be no righteousness around them. None to be found anywhere. It's going to be total total blackness. 
filled with wicked people. We know that man, apart from righteousness, experiences the worst of God's wrath. We know that. Because the absence of God's righteous, righteousness brings chaos. Romans 1.28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. And we have to notice the downward move once God removes righteousness from them. Verse 29 there in Romans, being filled with all unrighteousness. And that's a contrast to being filled with righteousness or serving God with all of our heart. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And ladies and gentlemen, all of this is taking place every day in our society. No, no, this type of, no, no, this type of behavior is commonplace with those that care nothing about God, the God of this Bible. They believe they just go on, live any way they want to, do whatever they want to do, live the lifestyle they want to live, whatever the case may be. Hell is a place of physical or literal experiences. The Bible tells us that the physical body will be cast into hell. Revelation 20 verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So for, for the lost, for those that do not know Jesus Christ, at death the body goes to the grave and he was buried. And the spirit goes to hell. But at the great white throne judgment, the spirit and the body will be united once again. And after the judgment, they're going to be cast into hell forever and ever with no hope of ever getting out. Let me stop here for just a second. This has become such a fairy tale in our society and in our world. Are you still with me here? This has become such a fairy tale. Nobody wants to believe in hell. Nobody wants to believe that there's a place that, for those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, where they'll have to spend eternity in torment. Nobody wants to believe this anymore. For years and years, and even as a child, I remember uh, 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 the cartoons and different things about the devil and the end and all these different things. A little red fellow with horns and a pitchfork and and making fun of, of those that are in hell, whatever the case may be, making light of it, trying to air conditioning it. Oh, we just go to soul sleep. Oh, there's nothing after we pass from this life, whatever. No, 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 no. People, people don't like to think about hell. They don't like to believe that it is real. But I am here to declare to you you this morning by the authority of that book that lays on that pulpit hell is a very real place it's a very real place and people that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal savior will spend eternity in that place a very real place and I think it's only fair and I hope you do too that we occasionally at least warn people about that And it's a shame that we, as children of God, if we know for sure that we are saved by the grace of God, that we know we have been born again, 
that we know that our name is written in heaven, that we know we have a place reserved for us. It's a shame that we don't take any more thought than we do to the people that are around us. We would rather dabble in sin and have a good time while we're still here, even though the people around us don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and we make light of that and all of that. But one of these days, as they stand at the great white throne judgment, and we don't, we are standing there watching them be judged for their sin, it's not going to be as happy of an occasion. I'm saying that we'll wish we have said something about it a lot more than we have. We will wish that we had, we will wish that we had have given out more invitations to come to church. We, have, we will wish that we had passed out the gospel more than we have. We will wish that we had taken time to sit down with people and explain to them why Jesus came to this earth and died for the sin of mankind and that he rose from the dead victorious over death and hell and the grave and, and that people that will put their faith and trust in him can be saved by his grace. They can have all of their sin forgiven. They can have a, a place for them in heaven their name written in the Lamb's book of life one of these days we will be we will be sorry that we have not shared it more because people are going to end up there people that you work with people that don't even know that you're a Christian or they know that you're a Christian but really they don't see that much difference There really is a hell. Are you listening to me? There really is a hell. People will die and go there. It's a real place. And it's a place that people need to be warned about. The devil has deceived people into believing that hell is some indefinite ghostly place where there might be some discomfort, maybe possibly no actual personality, no conscious suffering, no physical torment. It's not going to be that bad. Our humanistic culture has painted a scenery that has hell as a place over in the corner of the picture where life is lesser, the economy is, is, different, is, is, is bad, the experience, but, but it can be made pleasant or acceptable with imagination or effort. Satan has called some to see hell as a, just a ghetto area or a society on the other side of the tracks. And if you believe that you will be one of the most surprised people ever when you finally arrive there because that's not it it's a place of suffering and torment it's a place that nobody in their right mind should really want to go and there will be literal fire we know that there be literal bodies so why would there not be literal fire The Bible tells us over and again, warns us over and again about the fires, excuse me, of hell. Revelation 20 verse 14, 15 talks about the lake of fire. Mark chapter 9 verse 43 says, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Verse 44, and the fire is not quenched. Verse 45, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Verse 46, and the fire is not quenched. Verse 47, to be cast into hell fire. Verse 48, and the fire is not quenched. What do you suppose the Lord is trying to tell us? He's trying to make sure that we understand that there is literal fire in hell. You that read the Bible, you know that the Bible talks more about hell than it does heaven. 
Because I think God is trying to give us fair warning. Well, wait a minute, preacher. You said there's total darkness. Yes, absolute darkness. Uh, but there's fire in hell, so how does that work? Uh, have you ever turned on your gas stove and at the very bottom by the burner seen that place where it looks like there's a little gap, but you really can't see anything? Scientist tells us that that's the hottest part of the flame. So it is very possible, isn't it? That the fires are burning in total darkness. We know it's true because that's what the Bible tells us. But it's also a place of no escape. It never ends. No, no, people can't pray you out. You still with me here? People can't pray you out. People can't buy you out. People can't light enough candles for you to get out. It never ends. If there, if there was, if there was, stay with me here. If there was hope that you would get out in a million years, at least there'd be some hope. But there's no hope. The fires are burned forever. The torture is forever. The punishment is forever. No hope of ever getting out. If, if, if you thought you'd be out in 10 million years, at least there'd be that little bit of hope back there somewhere. But I'm telling you, once a person is cast into hell, it is for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's a reality. It's just as real as that seat you're sitting in. It's just as real as the clothes you have on. It's just as real as the house you live in. It's just as real as the person sitting next to you. It is a reality. It's a real place. It's a real destination for those that do not know Christ as their Savior. And we pretty much avoid it, speaking of it, talking about it, even mentioning it. We don't even like to think about it. And as I said at the beginning of this thing, I know it's not pleasant. I know it's not something that's happy. I know it's not something that, you know, we would just bring up any place and talk about it as we would anything else. But we have to remember that it is a real place where people go and they'll never, ever, ever get out. Ever get out. We, cannot, we, we, we just must not be deceived into thinking that a sinner will ever be given another chance to repent after they die. You don't have another chance after you're gone. When you take your last breath on, on this earth, it's over. You've either truly trusted Christ as your Savior or you haven't. There's no opportunity after that for repentance. This rich man will continue to be in hell forever and ever. There's no mention of even a desire to repent from him. He, he never asked for another opportunity because he knows better. He asked for relief, but not repentance. Repentance has to be done while we're here alive on earth. And it never lets up. There wasn't a delay for Lazarus or the rich man. Both were taken immediately to their final place of residence. 
Lazarus goes to heaven, the rich man goes to hell. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying a sinner without Christ immediately goes to hell. The, the, the torment of the rich man took place during the lifetime of his brothers and, 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 and continues on to this day. And hell's going to be a madhouse. I mean, can you imagine? The Bible says there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Can you imagine all the crying? Can you imagine all the begging? Can you imagine all the cursing? Hour after hour after hour after hour, never letting up for all eternity. The begging, the moaning, the wailing, it's never going to let up. There's no turning down the volume. There's no rest. There's no comfort. There's no hope. People that end up there will be there day after day after day after day with no escape. No escape. And it is a place of great suffering. It's represented by a torment in a flame. Where we read there, verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in his flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy goods and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Both the rich man and Abraham confirmed the torment suffered in hell. The rich man said, for I'm untormented in this flame. Abraham confirms and now art tormented. So the same ability that he had to suffer on earth is still present with him in hell. He's alive in hell. He has the same kind of mind. He recognized Lazarus. He remembers his brothers. He remembers that he did not repent. He longs for a drop of cool water on his parched tongue. Abraham even told him, son, remember, the memory will be a part of the suffering in hell. He was conscious in his full possession of the faculties of his mind and memory and conscience. He remembers the time that he had a chance to believe. He remembers the time that he heard the truth. But sin always brings suffering. Always. Sin puts people in a hospital with sick and diseased body. Sin puts people in jail losing their freedoms. Sin breaks up homes and brings disease and death and misery. We can be sure that after this life, the sinner will reap what he sows and will get honest wages for that. Thus, every Christ-rejecting, hell-deserving sinner will come to this place of torment reserved for those who will not repent and trust Christ as their Savior. No, I'm not saying that with any joy in my heart whatsoever. The person who refuses to see hell as a real place is a fool who does not want to believe what he sees in the Word of God. Let me give you a few references. Hell is a lake of fire, Revelation 20. A devouring fire, Isaiah 33. A bottomless pit, Revelation 20. Everlasting burnings, Isaiah 33. A furnace of fire, Matthew 13. A place of torments, Luke 16. Where they curse God, Revelation 16. A place of filthiness, Revelation 22. Where they can never repent, Matthew 12. A place where they have no rest, Revelation 14. A place of everlasting punishment, Matthew 25. A 
place of blackness, of darkness forever, Jude 13. A place where they gnaw their tongues, Revelation 16. A place where their breath will be a living flame, Isaiah 33. A place prepared for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25. A lake of fire into which people are cast alive, Revelation 19. A place from which the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and forever, Revelation 14. A place where they drink the wine of the wrath of God, Revelation 14. A place where they do not want their loved ones to come, Revelation 16. A place where there are murderers and liars and fearful and abominable, Revelation 21.8. We can be assured hell is a place of suffering. Real place. A place of loneliness. A place of fear. A place of remorse. Where we read there in in Luke 16, verse 26, and beside all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that you, <clears throat> so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He is in a place where he'll never get out. Now, hold on. No, no, think of me. Think with me. Come on. Think of the fear. Think of the loneliness and all that goes with that. If we had the capability to tune to hell's sound channel, we would hear the rich man still crying out for water and the cooling of his tongue. And who knows, his brothers may be there with him also crying out for the same things as he is. And it's really something. Stay with me here. It's really something because the rich man seems surprised to wake up in hell. See, most people, please listen, most of those in hell don't plan on going. Most of those in hell did not expect to be there. The the rich man thought Lazarus should still be his servant. Send him down here to cool my tongue. He was shocked to find himself in this flame of torment. He didn't take his money, but he took his memory. He didn't have treasure, he had torment. The rich man was no longer center stage. He's now staged in the center of hell's fiery torment. The rich man no longer fared sumptuously. Now he feared continually. The rich man no longer is clothed in purple and fine linen. He's now suffering in the rags of unbelief. The rich man no longer has rich friends that, which dine with him daily. He now begs for someone just to bring him a drink of water. The rich man is no longer surrounded by glamour and grandeur. No, he now is a lonely, all alone. He has no visitors. He's in total darkness. And the reason that there is total darkness in hell is because of the absence of light, the absence of Jesus Christ. He is the light. Without Him, there is darkness. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light. In Him, there's no darkness at all. John chapter 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. All that the rich man had in his good life failed him in that next life. But the good news is hell is a place you can miss by trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It can be missed. So let me ask you a question. Serious question. Have you gotten your pardon from hell? Your pardon? Because you see over in John chapter 3, verse 18, 
It tells us that unbelievers have already been assigned to the torment of hell. People that don't believe. People that haven't trusted Christ. No, they've already been assigned to the torment of hell. John chapter 3 verse 18, the Bible says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Listen, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And if you're not saved, really, the only reason you're not in hell already is the grace of God. It's because God's given you a chance. It's because God's given you time. It's because God's given you opportunity. No, 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 don't, don't, no, no, don't write this off as something that says, well, that's just what you believe. Oh, no, no, no. That's what God says is true. This isn't just belief of me. If you go to hell, it'll be because of your own unwillingness to repent and trust God's Son, Jesus Christ, for your salvation. Well, I know that I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? Well, you know, back when I was a kid, I said this prayer. Prayers don't save you. No, I don't mind. I'll say that again. Prayers don't save you. Just because you said some prayer, just because somebody led you in the sinner's prayer doesn't mean that you're truly saved by the grace of God. Oh, no, 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 no. No, there has to be putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just saying some prayer. No, no, there has to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. There has to be a drawing from Him. That conviction has to be there. It's very real. Just because you said some prayer along the way doesn't mean that you're not going to go to hell. I believe that there's way too many. I believe that there's way too many that have said prayers along the way that think they're on their way to heaven. They have no desire for the Bible. They have no desire to be close to God. They have no desire for church. They have no desire of anything godly. They have no desire to get away from the sin that they're in. They may wear their little cross necklace. They may say that they love Jesus, but they have no real heart's desire to do anything for God. Anything, anyway, anytime, anywhere. I'm telling you, somebody like that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Oh, I don't mind. I'll say it to this side too. Somebody like that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I guarantee you because when the Holy Spirit of God moves into our life, it changes the way we see things. It changes the way we think. It changes. Oh no, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect from that time forward. But it does mean that we're going to be different from that time forward. That we see things different and we hear things different. And we have this desire, however, no, no, however light it might be, to do the things that God would have us to do. It keeps pushing us because once the Holy Spirit moves in, He never moves out. And somebody can just go on and live in sin and live in sin and live in sin and it doesn't ever bothers them whatsoever. They are, they are no, no, listen to me. They, they are trusting in their religion to one day take them to that wonderful place called heaven. But religion is not going to get you there. Just because you said some prayer as a kid does not mean you are on your way to that wonderful place called heaven. We better make sure that we know that we know that we're saved by the grace of God. Because those that are not will spend eternity in this very real place that we've been talking about this morning.
See, Jesus suffered for you and he took, he took your penalty upon himself on that cross that day and he redeemed, no, 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 if you trust him, he will redeem your soul from hell. And the great thing is that you can come to him today and be saved. Repentance toward God, faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn your heart to God. I want what God has to offer. No, no, I really want it. I want it. No, no, I I just don't want this refuge from hell. I I want what God has to offer. Trusting Christ as your Savior. And He'll save your soul. I'm telling you, He'll save your soul just like that. And certainly we want to give you opportunity to be saved. Well, well, you know, but I, you know, it's just weird. I, you know, I, just, I mean, what are people going to think if I come down there and, you know, and say I need to be saved? Uh, they'll rejoice. No, the, the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. No, the Bible says there's presence. There's joy in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. No, it doesn't say the angels are rejoicing. The angels don't know anything to rejoice. They don't know salvation. They don't have, they don't have any understanding whatsoever. Well, who's rejoicing? God. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that comes to repentance. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when somebody does come to repentance, God rejoices. Because He is the one that sent His only begotten Son. He is the one that offers up salvation for man. He is the one that wants us to be saved by His grace. Those... There may be some in here that are saved by the grace of God, but you don't have a burden for the lost like you should. And really and truly, as we think about this truth, this, one, this, this, this powerful truth, it should cause our heart to weep. No, when we think about the men, women, and boys of girls that are stumbling along in life on their way to hell, it should cause our heart to, to, to yearn to try to get somebody to Jesus. Because if somebody doesn't warn them, that's exactly where they're going to spend eternity. Because see, the rich man, he's still alive in hell. If you're not saved, why not come to Jesus today? And if you are saved, why not decide to tell somebody about His saving grace today? Is there a hell? Oh, yeah. Is it a real place? Most definitely so. Will people that don't know Jesus go there for eternity? Yes, sad to say they will. But they have no chance at all, no chance whatsoever to truly repent and trust Christ as their Savior if they don't hear about it. Today could be your day of salvation. Today could be a day that you get a new burden for the lost. I guess it just depends on how important it is to you. Your own soul should be very important to you. But the souls of others, it should mean something to you if you are a child of God.
Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Nobody, nobody looking around in respect of the Lord, in respect of each other. It could be that you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, I'm not, I, but I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you please remember to pray for me? I, I'd like to do that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at? Preacher, I'm, I'm not saved, but I, I don't want to go to hell. Would you please pray for me? Yes, I want to do that. Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others? Preacher, that's me. You pray for them. Will you pray for me too? Because I, 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 I'm just not sure I'm saved. I don't want to end up in that awful place. Would you please just pray for me? Let, let me pray for you, would you? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. I want to do that. Yeah, preacher, that's me. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at? Others? I need that, preacher. I, I, need, I need Christ. Please pray for me. Others, before we move on, would you let me pray for you? Maybe you would have to just admit that um, you've lost the burden for those that don't know Christ. It's been a long time before you've warned, since you've warned anyone about the dangers of hell. That you really don't have that desire anymore. I just don't seem to have that burden, that desire, preacher. Will you pray with me, please? that God would burden my heart once again, that I might tell some people about Jesus Christ. You're in here this morning. God spoke to your heart that way. Would you let me pray for you? Would you just admit it, be truthful? God bless you back there and there. God bless your heart there and there, there, over there, right there. God bless you there, there, over here. God bless your heart. God bless your honesty. I appreciate it. You may put your hands down. Others, yep, preacher, that's me. I I, I, people all around me, I know they're going to hell and I've just not said a word to them. That's me. Would you pray for me? Let's, would you just slip up your hand and let me pray for you about that? God bless you there. God bless you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, it's a good place to get a burden. Be right down here at the altar this morning. Let's all stand with our heads bowed. Dear Heavenly Father, there are folks in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. Some raise their hand. I pray, Lord, as you have spoken to them, I pray they'd come this morning and let somebody take a Bible and show them how they could get that settled. If they'll just come, if they'll just, if they'll just come this morning, if they'll just step out, somebody can help them with that. We, we want to share that with them. We want them to know Christ as their Savior. But we can't twist their arm. We can't make them do it. And we certainly don't want them to do it for us. We want them to do it because you offer that eternal life to whosoever will. To whosoever will, if they'll just come to you, save their soul, you'll give them a place in heaven. 
I pray they'd come even this morning. I pray for them. Lord, work in their life and heart. There's some that didn't raise their hand. They, they have no idea where they're going to spend eternity. They didn't raise their hand. Lord, I pray you'd burden their heart. I pray that you'd convince them, convict them, convict them deeply that they are in need of a Savior. Lord, that you'd continue to work on their lot, in their heart. And even if they leave the, this place this morning without talking to anyone about it, that you'd continue to work on their heart throughout the day and into the night and the next day and the next day and the next day and just continue, Lord. Help them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then for those that raise their hand, they have no burden. They need to be more burdened. They need to think about it more. They need to put their feet to it more. Lord, we could all do a better job without a doubt. Help us, Lord, to even come this morning and ask you to burden our heart. To help us to have that desire. To weep over lost loved ones. To have a desire to tell those that are around us that we know are not on their way to heaven. To have a desire to tell them before it's too late. Before we don't have that chance. Father, whatever needs to happen around the altar this morning, we pray your will would be done. Save those that are lost. Help us that are saved. Please bless this time, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. The altar's already open. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Why don't you step out this morning? Man, we've got some ladies. Love to take you aside, take a Bible, show you how you can have that settled. Absolutely so. You can have it all settled before you ever leave this place today. Be the greatest thing you've ever done. All you have to do is come. We'll meet you right down here. Be happy to do so. Maybe you have a burden for somebody you know that's lost. Why don't you come pray for them? Just let God have His way in your heart and your life. You may be the only one that ever has the opportunity to tell them, to warn them. Don't let those chances slip by. You let God have His way. Cole's going to sing a verse. We're not, I'm not going to drag just this out. God spoke to your heart. You know you need I to come. Let's, let's get the 